0: Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So this morning, we we come together for the the culmination of this season, right? We come together to celebrate to to see what God has done, and. As we look back at the, the last few weeks as we've been preparing for this time, first we, we started in Isaiah, right, with, "O, o come, O come, Emmanuel, right? Uh, come, God, and rescue your people that need to be rescued. Rescue your people that are in the midst of, of trial, of hardship. And then we moved to the book of Luke, and we, we kind of paired that to um, that, that chorus of, let every heart prepare him room. And we asked that question. How, how am I preparing room? How are you preparing room for God with us, for that time, for that moment that, that is here now? And then we moved further into Luke and we, we sang that chorus, Joyful all ye nations rise. Am, am I looking to Christ as my true source of sustaining, of lasting joy? Is Christ the rock on which I'm building my life? And that brings us to this morning where we're going to be pulling from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Come and behold him. And this portion of scripture is, is so familiar that many of you can probably recite it yourselves. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that, that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor in Syria, and so all went to be registered, everyone to their own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the line of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now there were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with this angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on peace, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men." And so it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, "Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us." And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. There was a news article in the New York Times showing the results from a scientific study suggesting that two strangers could fall in love with each other by following a certain set of instructions. So this pair has to come together and they have to answer 36 questions in a conversation with each other. And the questions are increasingly more personal, beginning with easy things and and moving on to the deeper revealing questions that are are a little trickier to answer. And then after that, you and your conversation partner are supposed to stare into each other's eyes with sustained eye contact for four minutes without any talking. The author of the article actually fell in love with the person with whom she tried the exercise. And so the question that, that I would ask is, who, who holds your gaze? I was thinking about this study this week as I was thinking about how significant making eye contact can be in our lives. There are a lot of cultural expectations that, that come with making eye contact. In some cultures, men and women are discouraged from making eye eye contact for any prolonged period of time, probably because they didn't want anybody to fall in love if you were staring at them for four minutes. In some cultures, people who are subordinate either in work roles or in some hierarchical class structure aren't supposed to look at other people, right? They have their heads bowed. We think of our own culture where we emphasize the importance of making eye contact, where we're engaging in public speaking, for example, it's, it's important to look people in the eye so that they know that, that you're actually speaking to them. Sometimes I really have a hard time doing that with the left group for some reason. I could do it with the right group, but I just can't look left very well. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, I don't love you any less, I promise. <laughs> However we interpret eye contact culturally, it's, it's powerful, it's meaningful. Eye contact helps others remember what you say. Eye contact helps with self-awareness because when, when I'm looking at other people and they're looking at me, it makes me self-conscious about the things that I'm doing, right? When people are looking at you, you start thinking about the things that you're doing, you start thinking about the the way that you look, the the, the things that are happening for yourself. Eye contact um, is typically a display of honesty. It helps create bonds and relationships between people. It builds respect between individuals. Who holds your gaze? There were two psychologists who met at Harvard in the '90s. They developed an experiment that I tried out on my family. Uh, <laughs> um, showing how limited our perception and attention can be when we are focused on one specific detail. In this experiment, you're asked to watch this video of people in white shirts and people in black shirts passing a basketball to each other. And you're instructed to watch the video and count how many times people in the white shirts pass the ball to the people whether wearing uh, white shirts or black shirts. And it's a little confusing, but if you're careful, you can, can watch and you can produce the correct number that there were 15 passes that took place. But then the video narrator at the very end says, that's great, but did you notice that there was a gorilla that walked through the, the video? And 50% of the viewers of this video never see the gorilla walk through the video. <laughs> Sorry, shy. <laughs> So sure enough when you watch it back there's a gorilla that just stops in the middle of the video bangs its chest for a minute and keeps walking by but people don't notice because they are so focused on the thing that they have been instructed to be focused on but that's that's how our mind works when we are total, totally focused on one thing, we can miss other things, no matter how obvious they seem to be. And as long as we're focused on the right thing, that's okay. But it's, it's when we're focused on the other things that are vying for our attention, we're focused on all of the stuff that we start running into some problems. Who holds your gaze? Scientists say that our limited attention capacity, our, our working memory capacity is why you can walk right by someone that you, you've known for forever and not notice that they're even there. <laughs> As you're, you're walking by, because you say, what? I, I, I was totally distracted thinking about something else. How many of you have done that? Like three times today, right? No, <laughs> this is a season of distraction. You can walk past people and be like, oh man, I, I just wasn't even thinking. That's why it's so dangerous when you text and drive, (laughs) when you try to do something on your phone, because as good as you think you are at splitting your attention between two things, you're probably not who holds your gaze. And so here we are at Christmas Eve, and the question to be asking is, are we paying attention to the right things? Who or what is holding your gaze today? What's, what has your focus? What is, what's catching your eye? This year as we, we read the, the Christmas story from Luke, again, the words that, that we know well. I could, I could almost recite a good portion of that for you. I, I noticed how many phrases in this story seek to, to grab our attention. To to grab our attention and make us look really look at what's going on. Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem and Jesus is born. He's laid in a manger because there's no room in the inn. And then a spectacular attention-getting display unfolds to get the attention of some nearby shepherds, to make sure that they know to go and see that a newborn has arrived to go and see, come and see what God has done. A messenger from God stands before them and and we read, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And sensibly, they were terrified. But the angel says to them, don't be afraid, but see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. Today, a savior is born, a Messiah, a, a God in the flesh has been born. And then the whole sky is filled with angels, heavenly hosts. And they praise God saying glory to God and peace on earth. And when the messengers leave, the shepherds say to each other, let's go and see what God has done. Let's go see this thing that God has made known to us. And they go and they find Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And the text says, and when they saw this, they let Mary and Joseph know what the angels had said to them. And some who they tell their story to are amazed, but Mary treasures these words and ponders them in her heart. And the shepherds, they head back to their work. But as they go, they praise God and they give glory to God, telling everyone exactly what it is that they have heard and seen. Don't be afraid, the angel says. Don't be afraid, but instead look and see. What, what does a child do when a child's afraid, when they, they see something that's, that's frightening to them? So often they, they close their eyes, look and see, see this this sign of good news, this message of great joy is for you, for you, the, this people group that has been set to the side that isn't welcome into being part of the community, this, this is for you. See this one who brings peace. See this one, (coughs) excuse me, see this one who is a savior. See this one who is God on earth with us. And the shepherds say, let's go and see. You won't believe how we wound up here, they tell Mary and Joseph. (laughs) You will never believe. And Mary's like, you want to bet? (laughs) Not only did I get an angel, I also got a baby. (laughs) And the the shepherds, they come and and they tell Mary and Joseph, you won't believe how we wound up here. Thank you, God, for what we saw today. And as the shepherds leave, we we obviously don't have all of the, the detail, but can you... Could you imagine going out from that place and not telling every single person that you come in contact with what you just saw? You're out watching your your sheep in the middle of the night and the cloud erupts with heavenly hosts and they tell you to go see a baby that you go see and that child is there. And that child is, is Christ the Lord. Do you think you're you're not telling your drinking buddy that you walk by? Do you think you're not telling that, that guy who like sharpens your shears? Do you think you're not telling the guy that sells your grain? Do you think you're not telling every single person that you come in contact with what it is that you just saw? Come and see what God has done. And as time goes on, we see that Jesus, too, invites people to come and see. It's a phrase that he uses more than once when he's preaching, when he's teaching. And more than that, it's the grounding in an invitation to us that that spreads throughout all of his ministry, to come and see. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We're called to look and to see people that we usually don't see, but Jesus is so good at seeing. We're called to look and see the people that Jesus is so good at bringing to the center that have always been on the outskirts. We're called to look and see God at work in the world in places where we usually don't even give a second glance. Look and see God at work in our own lives as we realize that we are precious to God. That we are of sacred worth. Jesus asks us to look and see Him, to see Him living in our hearts, living in our world, living in each person that we encounter, God with us. Look, see, pay attention. Let Jesus at work in the world hold your gaze and your attention. According to that study, four minutes is all it takes to fall in love with somebody. <laughs> Who holds your attention? All throughout this week, we have, this. excuse me, this month, we have gone through This process of of almost a reset, a reset of, of how we approach nativity, how we approach this season, how we approach Jesus, God with us in a manger. Is this going to be the focus for this season? Or is it the next party that you have to go to this evening? Is it the meal that you have to prepare? Is it the gifts that you have been frantically wrapping? Is it that pile of stuff that's in the store? You know, whatever it may be, is that the thing that is going to hold your gaze? Or is it God with us? This morning, we're being invited. We're being encouraged. We're being given a task to come and behold him. That's, that's the song we just sang. Come and behold him. We sang the song. We, we read them in the story that the shepherds come and behold him. They see the, the king of angels. Don't be afraid. Look, see. So here we are today, we've, we've made it to the manger. Sometimes getting to Christmas Eve for me can feel like that, that visual of a, a race car just coming across the finish line and it's like completely on fire and by the time you actually get to the finish line, you're just in your seat with a steering wheel. That's sometimes how it feels. <laughs> but we're here. <laughs> we, we got here, okay? Okay. <laughs> Let's make sure we're really seeing what it is that's held here. Let's look deeper. Let's give the child in the manger our full attention, our time, our focus, all of our eye contact. For to us, the child was born. There are so many other places to look in this season. So many other places but let's make sure we're focusing on the right things first. As the the messengers promised the shepherds, so they promise us still, if we we look, if we see, we will find good news of great joy. We'll find peace. We'll find hope. We'll find God laying in a manger, changing the world. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you We thank you that we can come and see what you have done. And God, we make that choice this morning to to pause, to direct our attention and our focus on what it is that you have for us, your son, that perfect gift that made a way for us to be with you for all of eternity. God, in this season, it is so easy to allow any other thing to get in the way. But today, God, we commit to honoring you in this time. God, you hold our gaze. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.